Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Bellerín, qué golazo. Magnífico. Gol. ¡Qué golazo de Bellerín! ¡Gol del Arsenal! ¡Gran gol de Bellerín 1-0! This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. Good morning to you. Good morning. And how was your weekend? Yeah, it was all right. Saturday was very good. Sunday slightly less good based on the football side of things but no nobody but, uh, cares about the football side you know what was how was your personal life any hot days uh, <laughs> anything like that i'm just trying to think if anything exciting happened um genuinely not no right my weeks are a bit sort of back to front really because weekends are sort of the busiest time work-wise aren't they so yeah. it kind of kind of uh yeah everyone else is out having fun and i'm oh i, I picked up some crutches oh that's but, good yeah I, I just thought you never know Where, at like a, a jumble sale or something like that? Exactly that, yeah. I just saw a pair of crutches and thought they could be handy. At some Take point in the future, yeah. Exactly, yeah. I mean, sooner rather than later with me. I'm very accident prone. Are they new crutches? Are these uh, like lightweight aluminium crutches or are they the old style ones, you know, that, that come up underneath your armpits? No, they're aluminium. They're adjustable height. Right. It's very good, actually, because... You know, I wasn't even using them. I was just sort of carrying them around after the purchase and I was able to get seats on the tube, you know, people getting out my way on the pavement, even just for holding them. So I think I might just make them a permanent fixture, to be honest. That'd be great. You could uh, you could really get into the um, to the, the character of being an old crank really early and when kids call to your door, you just shake your crutch at them and go, get out of here, you pesky kids. Exactly. I mean, I've got the personality. I've got the attire, as we've discussed. It's just... It's just the crutches that were missing, really. So I've made the final step in my transformation. Pretty brilliant. I have to say I admire your conviction. Thank you. Uh, how was your weekend? It was all right. Yeah, like you, working a lot, um, as as happens over the course of a weekend when there's football on. Saturday, mm -hmm. lots of work. Went for some beers. That was good. Sunday, pretty chilled out. Watched, um, watched some football. I've been playing this video game. I got a, You have a PlayStation 4, right? I do. Do you happen to have the game Bloodborne? No, I don't. But I saw you tweet about this, and I was actually... I was going to ask you off-air, but... Uh, so you've been playing that, and you've not been enjoying it, from what I gather. Well, no. I've, well, I think I'm beginning to enjoy it now, but I'm still on the first level. It's You know when you play a video game, and you get... Uh, you know, you go and you kill a load of baddies, and then you can kind of save the game, and you pick up where, where you've left off. Mm -hmm. This game, rather crucially, has decided that when you get killed, you go right back to the start again. So you have to kind of kill everyone again or go running through areas and 
and and what have you. And it, it's kind of frustrating. Certainly the first six or eight hours of doing the same level over and over again are pretty frustrating. But I found a shortcut now and I'm I'm you know, I can make it to the boss guy now at the end of the level pretty quickly, but he's kicking the shit out of me. But it's really? it's very strange that you, you can't just save as you go along. I find that that's, weird and odd. That's weird. So do you think once you beat this boss man, you'll get an opportunity to save then? I think so. I think I'm, I'm assuming that's the case. Uh, at first when I was doing it, I came across this big guy with bricks who would beat the shit out of me and I'd die. And I thought, well, as soon as I kill him, that must be it because he's a big guy with bricks who's killing me all the time. And then I killed him and I was like, woohoo! And then I went up and I got fucking slain again by a group of people and dogs and all kinds of shit so i got past them and i saw these two werewolves and i was like once i kill those werewolves and they're not easy to kill let me tell you two werewolves okay not easy so i'm like okay well fucking seven or eight attempts later i've killed the werewolves and i'm like woohoo this is brilliant and another one of those fucking brick guys came and killed me and i couldn't save anywhere so I, i started looking online and and looking at things like I couldn't you see I bought it through the PlayStation store and I can't get a refund then. I really can't bring That's it back to the shop. No physical product. But I'm 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 on the cusp of either throwing my PlayStation out the window or like fully immersing myself in this game for probably uh weeks. The rest of your life. Yeah, the is rest this a, of my life. Is this a cry for help? I mean, if there are listeners out there who, who know how to kill the boss man, do you want them to tell you or do you want to figure it out for yourself? No, I'm quite happy to be told because I'm fucking <laughs> fed up with it now. I'm no purist. Okay. I'm no purist. So, okay, yeah, well, any help would be gratefully received. There we go. Let's see what we can do. Mm. Uh, anyhow. Anyhow. Football, 1-0, Burnley. Yes. That was kind of it. Yeah, that was all there was to say, wasn't there? It wasn't a great spectacle. It was uh, It was one of the, I won't say the worst games, but it just was so, so nothing happened, really, you know, for, for most of the game. No, I mean, it's funny because Burnley had Spurs last week, and I think I might have said on the show that I watched that, and that was an absolutely dire game. Yes, that's right, uh, I remember. This was marginally better. But it was still very, very bitty. I mean, I guess a big part of that was, particularly in the first half, Bur- uh, Burnley committed a lot of fouls, didn't they? And that interrupted any sort of flow. That was hilarious, game. though. It yeah. was it was just hilarious. Because they were all fouls. And much as I hate to give credit to Mike Dean, he did give the fouls because they were fouls. And then the more and more it went on, the more outraged their fans got. They were so irate and they were, you know, shouting at Alexis like, cheat, 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 even though, you know, he'd been fouled. Mm. And then just after a while, they, they kind of reached a crescendo and then they just kind of gave up. It was like, yeah, these are actually fouls. We, yeah. we sound a bit silly here now. We can't influence this referee. He's clearly just <laughs> abiding by the rules, the yeah. bastard. Uh, yeah, that was quite strange. I think that. So I think that had an effect on it, and I also think maybe the surface. I mean, there was a lot of sort of head tennis and things like that going on. Things you don't yeah. typically see in an Arsenal game. The ball spent. I've never seen a ball spend as much time about three feet off the the ground than mm. in this game. There was a lot of bobbly passing, a little kind of you know, dinky passes and and just not being able to get the ball under control or on the ground. And yeah, you're probably right that the pitch played a part in that. And um, that has from time to time been one of our downfalls. Yeah. Uh, a bad pitch, you know. 
And weather as well, it was extremely windy, so when the ball was in the air, it was rarely under control. There was a period in the second half where Laurent Koscielny kept sort of attempting these sort of 40-yard passes in the air and they would just drift out, to, yeah. you know, out of play. What was he was, doing there? I have no idea because the conditions were really poorly suited for that, you know. I mean, it's not saying we do at the best of times, so... It was quite you, bizarre. You could kind of see him, like, he'd take the ball, he'd take a touch, move it forward, and then he you could almost see him think, well, fuck it, there's nothing else on. <laughs> I'll just give it a clump forward and see what happens. Maybe uh, he'd seen uh, Charlie Adams' goal the week before and was just thinking, well, with this wind behind me, anything's possible. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it wasn't the most fluid or fluent performance. But at the same time, it never really felt like we were in any danger I don't think they had any real clear-cut chances at all, did they? I think Ospina made a save from a free kick. Um, yeah, and there was that, that was one where uh, George Boyd sort of fell over at the back post. Do you remember oh, that one? yes, yes. That was the sort of, for me, the one sort of heart in, not quite in mouth, but definitely in throat moment. Yeah, hadn't come all the way up. No, no, sort of stopped. To leave you with that way. rich irony taste. Exactly. Um, But other than that, yeah, I guess we didn't have to be much better than we were. I felt like Arsenal got the 1-0 lead and from then on, Mm. you know, the anxious part, you want them to push on and put the game to bed, get a second or third goal. But you felt like the players sort of knew, you know, chill, we got this kind of thing was the vibe, I think. Yeah. Uh, Burnley Uh, work really hard, don't they? Because I kind of expected them to tire maybe after an hour, and they didn't, really. They pressed very high and and, and, uh, made it very difficult for us to to pass the ball out. And that's without really making any subs, and not just in this game, like the whole season. He's named the same 11, I think, more times than any other manager. So, yeah, they must be super fit. Mm. Um, They've got that going for them, certainly. Um, I don't want to get on the question just yet, but just a point when we're talking about a one-goal lead and Toby Moss at Graduate Gunner, Graduate Gunner, I should say, apologies for that. Uh, He says, do you think uh, we have been given enough credit for the amount of times we've held on to a one-goal lead this season? And I just had a quick look, and there was one in the early part of the season, which was the opening game against Crystal Palace, which we just about won, if you remember, a late goal from Aaron Ramsey. But then since December 26th, there have been seven wins by Arsenal uh, by one goal, which is interesting. Yeah. So not one nil necessarily. Not one, one nil, but a one uh, a one goal goal margin. margin. So if you look at them, there was uh, Crystal Queens Park Rangers, mm-hmm. uh, followed by that was two one two one over West Ham. Uh, there was two one over Leicester. 2-1 again over Crystal Palace, another 2-1 over Queen's Park Rangers, a 2-1 over Newcastle, and a 1-0 against Burnley. So And 2-1 over Man U in the FA Cup as well, mm, I think. Mm. Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, we have there have been... 2-1's been has felt like the sort of standard result in the second half of the season, hasn't it? There have been plenty of those. Mm. And I think... Yeah, we've we've been surprisingly secure in those positions. I mean, there were some dicey moments along the way. You mentioned Crystal Palace. I remember them hitting the post in the final minutes. Yeah, some some nervy times against uh, against them. But I mean, yeah, I guess I guess we do deserve a measure of credit for that. It's not. It doesn't make as a fan. It's quite nerve wracking to watch because the margins are so fine and the gap between three points and one point. You know, the difference is so significant. But yeah. We've seen it through, so I think that's part of our defensive stability 
uh, returning. Mm, interesting as well that there was a completely unchanged lineup. Aaron Ramsey again mm. on the right hand side. Um, you know, Theo Walcott on the bench once more. Thierry Henry touched on it, I think, in his Sky analysis afterwards. He says there's no Oxlade Chamberlain. Um, Theo Walcott can't get into the team. Arsene Wenger preferring to play one of his best central midfield players on the right-hand side. Aaron Ramsey spoke about it afterwards, and he said, look, I'm doing a job. I prefer to be in the middle. I prefer to be more involved. But, you know, he's got a couple of assists and a goal in his last two games from the right-hand side. But it says a lot about the manager's thinking about the way that he wants his team to operate um, when he's choosing Ramsey there. I think so. I think a lot of that's got to do with Santi Cazorla. You know, I think he's been absolutely outstanding this season, and Arsene clearly feels he wants to... Sort of this team sort of function around him really. He's, like, mm. he's the hub of the team. Um, I had a bet on Aaron Ramsey to score first goal, so I was delighted. Oh, how much it. did you put on? I put on the princely sum of one pound. So wow! And what I, odds? I took home a sweet nine pounds. Woo! There we go. That's pretty I'm good. A high roller. Did you? I mean, did you actually put that on in a bookies or was it online? It was online. Basically, I like the sort of game of betting, but I have. I don't have the dispensable income or the self-control to get into big stakes. So this is my way of sort of satisfying that urge without any risk. What did you do with that £9, if you don't mind me asking? It just stays in the kitty, you know, so it's like that's another... It will just slowly build until eventually I withdraw a million pounds from William Hill. Pretty um, awesome. That's a great idea. Yeah, it's, a good, it's a good plan, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I'm going to buy an island or something. Mm. But yeah, I... I He's always a good bet, Aaron Ramsey, to score first goal, isn't he? Because he, 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 and he's actually, you know, his scoring form is actually pretty decent. I had a look, and I think since those, since they went, we went out to Turkey and he scored that brace, he's had a lot of injuries in between now and then, but he's averaging sort of a goal every three games, which is kind of what you'd want mm. from a player in that position. So, and I think he does a decent job on the right hand side. I remember, of course, that was, he got so much stick a few years ago, didn't he, when he was out there? Yeah. Uh, that was this kind of bad Aaron Ramsey, the frightening Aaron Ramsey that everyone yeah. was upset with. But uh, yeah, he looks much more comfortable there now. And Walcott, I mean, I don't even, if, if Ramsey wasn't fit, I think Welbeck would be more likely to come in. So, you know, still quite away from mm. a regular starting place. So, look, eight wins on the trot in the Premier League now. Uh, an interesting stat this morning um, that Andrew Allen put together for a piece we did on, on Arsblog News. And basically, uh, every time we've lost to Tottenham, we've gone on uh, a ridiculously good run. For example, when they won in 2011-12, we won seven and drew one of the next eight games. 2012-13, won eight, drew two. And after beating, uh, being beaten by them at White Hart Lane, we've won eight in a row. And their run... I don't know what their runs are, but uh, twice they've lost the next game, including this season and 2012-2013. And 2011-12, and 12, they uh, they drew. So it's like they kind of use up all their um, football jizz and, you know, they're kind of spent. And it just makes us better. So are you suggesting that this is something we, we have to do? Do you think it's a sacrifice we have to make, losing <laughs> to Spurs? No, no, no. I just thought it was, I just thought it was interesting in terms of the response to that, to those defeats, yeah. So. I mean, maybe it tells you something about the the attitude of both teams or both clubs. I think mm. 
you know that that's probably the peak of their season, isn't it? Beating beating us, and yeah. maybe they're they're on the beach after that. Whereas, you know, it's a real kick up the backside for our for our team, and we've responded very well. I mean, this run's pretty it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Arsene Wenger was saying it's not something a manager can ever predict, but it's pretty extraordinary. I think form it's twenty four wins from twenty nine games. I remember before Christmas, around the time where you know Arsene was facing protests from some pockets of fans and. Uh, the scenes at Stoke train station, we had a discussion where we were saying, what does he need in order to sort of restore people's faiths in him? And mm. and, and I think you said something like, oh, he needs like 10, you know, eight, 10 wins, something like that. And the idea seemed yeah. impossible at yeah. the time, inconceivable. But he has actually produced what he had to produce, hasn't he? I mean, certainly the disquiet around the manager has quietened. I mean, it's natural, isn't it? When you start winning games, you know, people are people are generally happier. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. So, you know, long may it continue, as far as I'm concerned. Leaving the manager yeah. aside uh, out of this completely, um, I, you know, the more we win, obviously, the, the happier we are. Um, very briefly, looking back on the, the Manchester derby, I think a draw would have been nicer for us. Would have been... Yeah. Would have uh, kept that little bit of a gap between the two sides, but... Manchester United, like us, on a very, very good run, have built some momentum. And Man City are, well, they're a mess. Yeah, they really are. I mean, that. I mean, Pellegrini's got to be on his way out, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would have thought so. I, I, it's difficult to see him keeping his job. I think there's a few players there who might be on the way out too. I mean, they've always had a sort of mercenary streak to them, but it's coming more clear than ever. Yeah, at present. United look sort of ominous because they sort of shouldn't be really good and yet they are. They play very simple football and it's very, very effective. Yeah. I mean, some people might say that about us as well. I think that's fair. But, I mean, we haven't got... I mean, Maran Fellaini in our team, for example. I mean, like, you know, it's weird. Like, I, I feel like there are components at United who... As kind of as individuals, I'm not convinced by. Whereas when I look at Arsenal, I'm like, well, I can see that technically, yeah. all those guys are great players. You know? Well, uh, you know, it is a team game. The collective far more important than any one individual. And if he's got them playing as a as a team, well, that's obviously going to be more effective than than one guy or two guys playing very very well. Yeah, Which hence. I think is evident as well with Arsenal, because what we had maybe in the first half of the season was one guy playing brilliantly and everyone else kind of struggling. And, and now we have a team that's performing consistently and, and obviously results are better are better for that. Absolutely. And if you look at the fact that he's had to leave out guys like Di Maria, guys like Falcao, he's obviously prioritising the team over any high-profile individual. But yeah, they look... Uh, a little ominous. Not, I mean, I, you know, I still think we've got a great chance to finish above them this year. We're mm. in the driving seat at the moment, but I'm more worried about them kind of going forward into next season. Don't they have to play Chelsea soon? They do have to go away to Chelsea, yeah. Right. Do we know when that is? It's. I think it's Chelsea's next game. I think it's the same time as our FA Cup semi-final. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, let me just have a quick look here at the... The fixtures, scrolling past all the stuff that's on in the conference this week. Exciting, exciting, exciting. <laughs> Skybet Championship. Saturday, uh, Chelsea Man United at half past five, indeed. Um, oh, at the exact same time as Reading versus Arsenal. Well, 20 past five. What a stupid time to kick off a game of football. 20 past yeah. five. 
very strange. Weird. Um, very weird. So, yeah, that's going on. So, I mean, obviously, Arsenal fans, the majority of them won't really know what unfolds in that game. Mm. What do we want in that game? I don't know. I think you have to be realistic and say, look, Chelsea have won the league. There's no two ways about it, especially after the win at the weekend, which I think everybody expected. Perhaps the manner of the victory um, was a bit upsetting for some people, but I expected nothing less. Uh, than three points for Chelsea. So from that point of view, it's not really in any way distressing. Uh, I think we have to ad- admit that they've won it. So let them beat Manchester United to give us a bit of a cushion. That would be that would be my thinking. There's no way mm. that even if Manchester United win, that Chelsea are going to drop enough points for for anybody to catch them. So I'd rather. I'd rather things made it easier for us to finish as high up the table as we can than any vain, vague, unrealistic hope of us catching them. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I mean, you know, I I think this weekend they won it. I think had, if they had dropped points this weekend, there was there was an outside chance of it really being turned. Out. I do, yeah, I do. Ah, nah, they've, 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 they really, really, really haven't played well. Like. When you look at their recent results, uh, which I'm going to do now, Mm -hmm. like, so they won that game yesterday in pretty jammy circumstances. They beat Stoke 2-1, but it was pretty marginal. They won that match 3-2 at Hull, which was very much on the edge. Mm -hmm. Then before that, uh, before that they drew their previous two games, although uh, only one of those was in the league. They're slightly stumbling, and I just thought, yeah. A bad a, Q, a defeat at QPR might have been, you know. Yeah, the, but their but their stumble was two draws and seven wins in their last nine games. You know, I, I get that they're not playing particularly well, but ultimately, nobody is gonna nobody's gonna pay any attention to that. You know, it's all to do with the results, and the results have been champion. Uh, the results of uh, that you'd expect from champions. So, um, yeah, I don't think maybe, even if they I, drop points, I don't think there was any hope. Really, I think there. Were, I think it was a very. I mean, you know, I'm not saying I thought it was on or that it was likely, but I did think. I sometimes feel that people uh, write it off because it's like a self-preservation thing, but I actually think that it was a small chance. Right. But you know, I, and that's why I was so. I mean, I didn't watch the Chelsea game yesterday because I was like. You know, I, I expected them to win it, and I expected it to make me feel miserable. But it yeah. only makes me feel miserable because. Uh, I've seen teams collapse in that position before. Not teams managed by Jose Mourinho, mm. but uh, I have seen it happen. Yeah, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. It would be lovely, and I'd enjoy it, but I just, you know, I just never saw it happening and don't see it happening um, between now and the end of the season. I think it's pretty much wrapped up. So if uh, Chelsea could be so kind as to smash United out of sight... Uh, without me having to pay any attention to it whatsoever, of course, because we'll be otherwise engaged, um, I, that would that would suit me just fine. Well, also, any sort of game between uh, the big sides, as it were, if it can't be a draw, invariably we want a draw because draws mean that no one's got three points. But if yeah. someone's going to win it, you generally want the other team to get absolutely hammered, don't mm. you? Yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's fun to watch exactly. a rival get smashed. This is it. Other people's misery. It's what we thrive off. Yeah. Right. Okay, well, look, we'll take a break there, and uh, we'll come back with part two in your questions right after this.
Hello, welcome back to the AskCast Extra. We're going to have a look at some of your questions now sent into AskBlog and Gunnerblog on Twitter with the hashtag AskCast Extra. Thank you as ever for these. There are loads. First one mm-hmm. is from IU Gunner Runner. His real name is John Strobel, it transpires. And he asks... I never would have guessed that from his... I know, it's unclear, isn't it? Mm. His initial moniker. He asks, now that Arsene Wenger has gotten several monkeys off his back, I assume that's not a, a literal thing. It's a reference to his achievements this season. Or his heroin addiction. What? Indeed. I said, no, said too much. <laughs> uh, is consistently losing to Mourinho the biggest one left? Yes. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. Um... Yeah, no question about it. I, I think uh, the obstacles that we've perhaps overcome this season, going away from home, winning big games, et cetera, et cetera, being, uh, being better in those big games have been um, fantastic, great positives. But certainly the record against Mourinho is one that will be, I'd say it's an itch he is very, very uh, keen on scratching. Unfortunately, the itch is like right in the middle of your back. You know where it's really hard to... It's impossible. You it's need to almost use like impossible. A, a selfie stick or something. To I, I often, sometimes if I'm out walking with a dog, you might just get a, 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 not just a regular rich there, a power rich, which I'm sure you know is, is much more powerful than a regular rich. Yes. Hence the name. So you get a power rich in, in the middle of your back and then all you can do is kind of rub up and down against a tree like an ogre. Right. Um, I mean, that's out, or, or a bear. A bear, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Bears are prone to those kind of itches. And um, I think that is what Arsene Wenger feels every time he plays against the Mourinho side. Um, you know, this season, the game against Chelsea, away from home, you know, there was the penalty incident. But when you look at it, um, overall, in terms of their performance, it was much more in line with what we've done in other big games this season than it was with the the six nil, right? Um, yeah. Which was a which was a freaky kind of result, anyway. Um, so I think he will be very keen to get that particular monkey off his back because it's a it's a it's a bad monkey, a smelly monkey, an evil, evil, vicious monkey, and. Yeah, if we can get a result against Chelsea at home in a few weeks' time, then I'm sure uh, I'm sure Arsene Wenger is going to be delighted with that. Have you ever had a sort of serious encounter with a monkey? I have never really had any dealings with monkeys at all because, you know, I keep thinking of that woman who had a monkey for a pet. She had a chimpanzee, and she called her friend over, and they were having tea and some biscuits perhaps I don't know what kind of biscuits maybe bourbon creams Um, but they were having tea and and the chimpanzee went crazy and it like ripped her face off like just went bananas so if you look up chimpanzee woman face you'll you'll see pictures of her and she doesn't really have a face anymore she could have been one of those people that got a face transplant so I'm very keen for the most part and it's something I've, I've tried to live by I'm very keen to avoid things that can rip my face off I, That's, I, I don't go into space because I, I think there's a lot of them out there. Yeah, space monkeys. Well, they're, they're the worst. Yeah. I uh, when I was a baby, I was in a car, a convertible car. I wasn't driving. Let's be clear. Okay. Uh, I was in the back seat in a, a car. 
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Our seat with my mum and grandma in Gibraltar, and there are monkeys in Gibraltar. There are, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure why, but there are. Well, they're uh, kind of stuck. Right. They're not allowed into Spain either. Okay, it's a whole immigration yeah. issue. But they found work on Gibraltar, and. Uh, we were driving along and monkeys descended upon the car, is the only way I can put it. And my mum and grandma, in their infinite love and respect for me, their infant child, fled the car, leaving me in there with a monkey. <laughs> Take him, monkeys! Take him! Yeah, Just honestly. spare our lives and you can have this, <laughs> this man-child and you can raise him. Oh, that would have been... You could have been raised by monkeys on Gibraltar. That would have been fucking awesome. I mean, unfortunately, I've got no memory of this incident. I, I just have had the story told many times to me. My my parents seem to find it absolutely hilarious. They're like, oh, it's brilliant. But imagine if, you know, they'd taken me or just my face and left the rest of me behind. Wow. Yeah. That's a cool story. It is a cool story. It's like a sort of supervillain origin myth, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it, that's, it, that's why I am monkey man. Exactly. Wasn't it, um, wasn't Rome founded by the two people that were raised by wolves? Or something. Romulus and Romulus Remus. Romulus and Remus. Think of you could have been an intergal uh, intergalactic dictator by now. Yeah. Had you been well, raised by the monkeys. At some point, I will return to Gibraltar to claim my land, and my army of monkeys will invade Spain. Excellent. Well, look, you know, I'm glad I'm on your side here because you sound like you could be a very powerful man <laughs> in the yeah, future. I mean business. And yeah, excellent. If you need any, you know, minions, just let me know. I will do, I'd, I'd I will be all do. on for that. But anyway, yeah, let, let me ask you that question then about Mourinho and Arsene Wenger. It is oh God, kind yeah. of the last one, isn't it? We went a bit off tangent there. Sorry, yes. I, it is. I think it's a massive game, actually. You know, we talked about uh, kind of perception of the manager changing, and I kind of feel like this, if he can beat Mourinho, I feel like it will instill real optimism in people. I feel like the general perception of Wenger has moved to a point where most people are kind of happy for him to be the manager, happy for him to see out his contract. But I feel mm. like if we can win this game, that will shift into people thinking, well, maybe he can win us the title or something yeah. in the remainder of his deal. I do think it's that big. I think it's it's something we really need to uh, shake off. Mm. And uh, 
to reference a, a song. But I think um, we we can do it, actually. I, I do think that we... Part of the reason for my misguided, futile belief that we might have won the league was that I always thought that this was a fixture we should win. Uh, well, should is a bit strong, but definitely could. Right. So let's hope we do. Okay, all right. Uh, moving on, then. This one comes from At Hairy Nose Dad. That's Adam Brooks. Who's giving Very us descriptive, a, isn't it? We yeah. know quite a lot about him now. Giving us a real insight into his life with his username. More people should do and that. his nostrils. Mm. Or he could mean he could have a, like a hairy nose, the outside On of his the nose. exterior, yes, like a nose tash. That'd be strange because even most animals who have hairy faces, the nose is spared, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Me neither. Uh, anyway, I'm sure some biologists can tell us. Uh, anyway, he wants to know, if you could reverse one result this season, which would it be and why? Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? I know what I'd pick. Uh, it might be the home leg against Monaco. That'd right. be up there for me. No, that wouldn't be for me. No? No. Because we'd just go out in the next round. Yeah. <laughs> um, God, what would yours be? Mine would be the 2-0 the at Stamford Bridge. Uh, you see, because of all the stuff we just talked about, um, about how you could build confidence, you get the evil, vicious monkey off your back. You've also beaten Chelsea. It would perhaps have, um, what's the word I'm looking for, consolidated the team or given the team belief a bit earlier in the season. And assuming that the result is reversed, it would also mean that Mesut Ozil's knee didn't go, uh, and he wouldn't have been injured for, for so long. So, yeah, that would be the one for me. That is a very good choice, actually. Because, mm. um, you know, you, you don't know what it would have done to their momentum either in that early part of the season. Yeah. The Ozil thing's interesting, though. I mean, do you think if Ozil... Do you think he would have eventually played himself into this kind of form, or do you think the layoff was kind of necessary? In a way, I think it was kind of necessary, and I think he's playing so well now because he's relatively fresh. Same with Giroud. You know, when you've got three months off, you are not going to suffer from the same accumulated fatigue, you know? Mm. Um, Much as you'd like to have them throughout the whole season, the whole point is trying to get your players fit for the... uh, for the uh, for the uh, the entire campaign, but you know, I think as well, there was definitely something of a hangover. Um, certain players just weren't fully fit, didn't get enough preseason, and suffered because of that. Um, some of that is our own fault, obviously, because we've had to use those players or we're using those players before we necessarily wanted to or should have uh, because of our, our own squad issues. But, you know, I think eventually, yes, he would have played himself into form. But I think, I won't say it was handy, but probably for him to to take time off to reassess um, his game, for the manager to maybe reassess how does he fit Alexis and Ozil into the same team. You know, those kind of issues gave gave him and us a bit of a bit of breathing room. So yeah, yeah. Well that's a good choice, I think, the Chelsea game, yeah. Mm. I think that's the the winner. All right. Cool. Uh, in this particular round. Um let's have another question. This is from Guna Nate, and it's the bit of the show where we talk about goalkeepers. Is it <laughs> is it you should possible? get a jingle there, yeah. Yeah, that was the jingle. It's pretty All right, very good, yeah. Um, is it possible that even though Chesney is, inverted commas, a better keeper, Ospina is just a better fit in this team? It's Yeah, it's certainly possible. Um, 
you know, there was that stack going around this morning about Ospina being the most, I don't know, he has the highest win ratio of any Premier League player ever. 92%. Uh, 92%. Yeah, which I think tells you a lot about the way the team is performing more than than Ospina, which is to take nothing away from him. He's been really solid, um, made some decent saves, uh, looks to have addressed the uh, the old kicking issue. I think he's put some lead in the boots, so the ball's flying a bit further than it used to. Um, you know, yeah, it, it's certainly possible, but, I, you know, I, I go back to um, something we spoke about a couple of weeks ago where the team is just generally in better shape, so I think it, it reflects better on uh, the goalkeeper. Um, and maybe Chesney, you could say, was responsible for some of the team not being in great shape in in the early part of the season as well. Um, we're winning a lot. Ospina's playing a part in that. So you just don't change anything, I don't think, until perhaps uh, the summer. So, Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, it's, it's very difficult to gauge, but I think you can't but, argue with the numbers, certainly. Yeah, and also, how long has he been playing first team football for us on a regular basis three months yeah so there is also the fact that perhaps we need to we need to step back a bit and not make any definitive judgments on a player at this point like he's doing very very well but maybe his form will fluctuate uh, and then maybe his form will come back again and, and we can make a, a a more informed decision about him and his future so yeah. uh, I mean I'm sure after the Wojciech Chesney had only been in the side for three months. We were all convinced he was the, the next big thing in goalkeeping, you know. Yeah. I um, I do think an interesting thing, uh, your friend of mine, Paul, uh, had tweeted the other day at PS Davis saying uh, the, the best way, it was something, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like the, the only way to really determine the better goalkeeper for the team is to ask the defenders who play in front of him. Mm. And... Obviously, we can't do that. But if we could and get a serious answer from them, it, I think I'd be interested to see what the likes of Mertesacker and Koscielny feel about Chesney versus Espina. Yeah. You know? Unfortunately, you're never going to get that. Uh, no, they're always going to come the, back with platitude, aren't they? But. On the record, you'd need to you'd need to get it off the record, obviously. Um, and then, of course, if you did get it off the record and you told everyone, you'd be a right cunt, wouldn't you? Betraying that confidence. Like if you so took Koscielny out and got him a little bit drunk, a little bit tipsy, and go on, tell us what you think of the keepers, and he, you know, he told you, <laughs> and then you told everyone, you'd be what would you be, a journalist? I think you might be, yeah. <laughs> but I am, um, yeah. It, it's a shame we'll never know. But that would be fascinating, wasn't it? I mean, we can only guess, I suppose. Um, they're never going to come out and go. Well, to be honest, I always thought Chesney was a bit dodgy. Yeah, I'm delighted that he's out the team. Mm. Like, likewise, they're never going to go. I think the manager's wrong. Bring Chesney back. So. <laughs> Who knows? But they seem happy. Well, you know, I think any team that is winning week in week out is going to be happy. Simple as that. That you know, players thrive off results as much as anything else. And I don't think there's necessarily going to be a, a, a blame culture in the sense that. I doubt anyone is there going, well, since we brought Ospina in, everything has been marvellous and it's all Chesney's fault. You know, I think it it goes a lot deeper than that and and there's a lot more to it. It's a lot more complicated and uh, there are many layers and what have you to to the reasons why we're doing well at this moment in time. Um, So, yeah, ultimately, I've forgotten what the initial question was. So um, it was, should we burn Wojciech Chesney at a stake? To death. Something like that. Yeah. I would suggest no. 
Okay. I would suggest no. So, look, let, let me kick on with this question. Um, and it, it has some relevance um, to to this weekend, and maybe we could touch on Chesney in that regard too. Um, Michael McDermott, Mr. Mike McDermott, he's saying, rest players for the Cup or keep momentum for the league? What's your priority and what would your 11 be? So this is obviously ahead of the, the FA Cup semi-final this Saturday. Do you see the manager rotating in a considerable way? Well, there's a lot of players who would like a game or who need a game, arguably, aren't they? Yes. An awful lot. I mean, those four guys who came back with the under-21s in the week again weren't involved at all at the weekend, I think I'm right in saying. So they're kind of all on standby. Then you've got people on the bench. We've talked about Theo Walcott. Uh, Chesney, I think, is one who probably will who, who will start, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, would, would we- for example, would, would Danny Welbeck start up front, as he did at Old Trafford, ahead of Olivier Giroud? I think he will, actually. Yeah. yeah. I think he will. I think it will be a very similar team to the one that played at Old Trafford. Uh, so I think Welbeck will be rewarded for his contribution in that game with a start. Mm, we should remember, Probably. of course, that, that Yaya Sonogo started the FA Cup semi-final last year ahead of Giroud um, when we played Wigan. He did indeed, yeah. And I think Chesney will come in as the sort of de facto cup goalkeeper. Mm. Be- beyond that, my inclination would be to not rotate too much. I just think, you know, we've got space between games. There's no need, really. Um, but with so many options available to the manager, you've got to think he'll think of giving some people a game, maybe the likes of Debushi. Debushi could reckon? come back. Yeah, I mean, I think there will be some... I think there will be a few little changes. Like, was Cazorla on the bench the last round? No, he wasn't. But, um, I, you know, I think that he might be tempted to give players a game against because it's Reading. Uh, and that's not to say he's going to underestimate them or anything like that. But there is more scope to rotate against a team from the championship than there would be if you were playing, uh, you know, Liverpool or Manchester United or Chelsea or someone like that. So uh, I think he's also got to be aware that between now and the end of the season, he is probably going to need some of the players who are on the bench at the weekend and some of the guys who didn't even make the bench at the weekend. So it's it's a risk, isn't it, that do you upset the momentum by by changing things too much for an FA Cup semi-final? And obviously there's, it's a high-stakes game. Really is a high-stakes game. You know, you, you're, you put yourself 90 minutes away from, from winning a trophy. So it's a, it's a difficult one to balance. I think there will be some changes maybe three or four but for the most part I mean he could play Gibbs ahead of Monreal for example I I was about to say I think the fullbacks are one area where he might rotate it a bit so you you might see Gibbs in and I think you might see Chambers or Debussy in on the other side Um, and and I I, do do you think Welbeck's got a chance of starting ahead of Giroud yeah I think so I think so. I mean, he did it at Old Trafford, and I don't think it was necessarily just for sentimental reasons or, or for the reason that it was well back going back to his old ground. I think in the same way that he's rotating his goalkeeper for the FA Cup, I think he'll probably do the same with his striker. Uh, because he wants mm. Welbeck to play, he wants Welbeck to score goals uh, and feel involved, and Welbeck's been, um, he's been played out wide uh, quite a lot, and I think he's, you know, he's happy to do that. 
uh, and does a job. But ultimately, if something happens to Giroud, then Welbeck is a guy who's going to have to step up. So he wants maybe for him to, to keep his eye in in that regard. Yeah, and I think also he probably wants to avoid something happening to Giroud. You know, he's been in outstanding form, mm-hmm. but I think part of that's because he had a lengthy rest and the odd rest here and there is probably helpful to him. Yeah. So I, I, But I don't necessarily see the likes of Arteta, Wilshire, DRB, that, that gang. I don't see them coming into the side. No. Uh, I, think, no. I think maybe a place on the bench for a couple of those players. So yeah. that if Arsenal managed to get themselves into a winning position... You know, maybe Wilshire gets a run out or whatever, but yeah. throwing them straight into the starting lineup in a game this big would be a huge risk. Bonkers. Madness. Go on then. Um what should we do? Okay, this is an interesting one. This is from John Picari. And he, looking towards the summer, says, with Permatsaka's point about the automatization of the team in mind and yes. our current strength. I like that word, automatisation. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. Should we actually sign as few as we can? Um, I think there's a lot to be said for consistency, all right? That mm-hmm. um, it does take time for players to build up relationships and what have you on the pitch. Absolutely. Consistency is, is, a, is a key part of that. Um should we sign as few as we can? I'm not sure that that's necessarily the right way to put it, but we should we should only sign what really improves us, if that doesn't sound a bit too Arsene Wenger. Yeah, you know the way he says, super, well... Super quality. Super, super quality. Um, yeah. You know, I think they're, they're, they're... I mean, we're just talking about the, the squad there now and how do, you, how do you get everyone in? You don't, can't get everyone in with the players that we have fit and available. Um, it's whether or not you can then upgrade on some of the players who are going to be on the fringes. Like what happens, for example, much as we all love the cock, what happens if he picks up an injury or a knock and is missing for a certain amount of time? What mm-hmm. what he's done over the last three months is show exactly what... Not exactly... I'll rephrase that. He's he's provided something to the team that it didn't have that has now become really important, right? Yeah. So what do we do if we don't have him? There isn't necessarily a player who does what he does in the team. You know, I still like Arteta, and I think he's got a role to play, but he's a different kind of player. I don't see Flamini being able to do what Coquelin does. I don't see Wilshire, for example, to be able to do what, what Coquelin does. So maybe you're signing this summer is somebody who competes with Coquelin because everywhere else on the pitch there's there's genuine competition for places center half at fullback a goalkeeper a striker uh, you know in the wide areas Theo Walcott can't get in the team because of competition for places whereas Coquelin is pretty much the the only name that we have in in that position to do that particular job to do that kind of job so that would be my thinking on it that um, not necessarily sign as few as possible, but sign just exactly what, what you need. And sell a few? I think a few will go, yeah. I mean, I think Podolsky's going to go. I think probably Joel Campbell could go, despite the fact he signed a, a new deal before yeah. he left on, on loan to Villarreal. Um, Flamini could go. Who else mm-hmm. could go? 
from this squad. I, I don't think Liam Arteta's going to go. If anyone counts him. Who? <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, I, you know, I think there'll be some attrition for sure because there, there are players who, who just aren't going to get into the team and will probably Carl want Jenkinson. to play. Exactly. So, you know, um, yeah, I'm, I think there's room to make additions, definitely. Um but it's it's just sort of who they who they're going to be and and you know does for example let's just speculate on Theo Walcott leaving the club this summer just mm-hmm. as a as a baseline kind of thing do you then go out and sign somebody or does the departure of Walcott make room for Oxlade Chamberlain who is still just 21 years of age does that make room for him in the squad to make that position his own so where's what's the deal there? Would people be unhappy if we didn't sign somebody? If we let Theo Walcott go? Like, do we have to go out and sign a, 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 a Royce? Do we have to do that? Or do we make room for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain? You know, there's, there's the decisions that he's got to make, I think. Yeah, and I guess it comes down to if he feels he can get someone better than Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, you know? Mm. Um, well, on the, on the defensive midfielder thing, just because I think we've raised this point a couple of times before about Auckland in competition and a few people have suggested that uh, Christian Bielik might be earmarked for that role do you think next season will be too soon yeah he's only he's only just gone 17 and unless yeah unless he's like a super talent you know uh, who who can make the breakthrough at, at 17 18 years of age maybe I don't know I don't know. I mean, look, I haven't seen the guy play, so I just can't say. But I'd be very, very surprised if that was the backup. Unless, of course, you know, he's looking at Coquelin and Arteta, and if we get really stuck, then he can use Bielik. But I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Exciting times. I do think that, you know, you can't forget how much activity Arsenal have done in the last 12 months in the transfer market. And I don't expect this summer to be anything like... Mm. That's busy. A few people that asked, and I, I don't apologies. I don't have the the uh, the questions uh, to hand, but a number of people were asking: Do you think there will be uh, after the signing of Alexis, after the signing of Ozil? Do you think there will be the uh, the old marquee signing this summer? Maybe. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's possible. Um, you know that that's been the pattern over the last two years, but it, there's got to be an obvious place in the team I'm, a lot of people talk about the possibility of upgrading on goalkeeper and I think that upsets those who uh, proponents of what David Espina has done this season but I think it's just because it's one of the few parts of the side where you can go well there's room there for a marquee player yeah um, so maybe you know if there was a, a top 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 goalkeeper I sound a very Harry Redknapp there top 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 top, top. Uh, then, uh, then maybe yeah I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out what do you think it's certainly possible. The money's there. It just depends if the player is uh, and the player in the position that we need him. You know, yeah, like absolutely. is Morgan Schneiderlin, for example, is he a, is he a marquee signing? Is signing a 25, 26-year-old guy from Southampton, is that marquee? Even though it will cost you 25 million marquee quid. cost, yeah. 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 That's the thing. Mm. Um, I don't know if we'd see it as marquee, but it would certainly cost in that bracket. All right. Uh, more questions? Yeah, or? I've got one, one final one here. One oh, final on one here. And this this um, this came in by email. And uh, 
It says, uh, Dear Andrew and James, sorry for not submitting my question via Twitter, but because of the character limit there, I just couldn't fit it all in, as I'm sure you'll understand when you read this email. My name is John from North London, and I'm a happily married man with two kids. Well, I say happily married, but that's not really the case anymore. I won't say where I work, but I'm a manager in a reasonably sized office, and I progress well in my career. I've always been a dedicated and conscientious worker, but recently I got involved in a situation which has turned my life upside down. It began when my assistant was knocked off her bike and had to take time off work due to the injury she suffered. She was replaced by a young woman I'll call Sarah. As I said, I'm a happily married man, but I was immediately struck by Sarah's beauty. To cut a long story short, we were out at a work event one night, and after a free bar, we were the only two left. I'd never even considered doing anything, but all of a sudden, she kissed me. It was like sparks went through my body. This young woman found me, a 39-year-old man, attractive. We went back to her place and made sweet, sweet love. Afterwards, I was racked with guilt and told her it could never happen again, but I couldn't resist her. She was so beautiful and an absolute demon in the sack. At the point of climax, I would exclaim, Wombolgasm! I don't know why. We took risks, doing it in the handicapped toilets and sneaking out, hoping nobody would see. The idea of being found out made it even hotter, and she would do things that my wife wouldn't, things I didn't even know about. She pegged me over my desk one evening when everybody had gone home, and it was amazing. Right until the moment a colleague came in, having forgotten their laptop and saw us. I knew it would go around the office in no time, and because I've worked there so long, my wife is friends with some of the people there, and she'd find out. I had to confess everything, even the humiliating way it was discovered, and I'm now living out of home. My, my wife won't talk to me. I can't see my kids, and Sarah, embarrassed by the office gossip, has left and changed her number, so I can't get in touch with her. Not that I want to. I want to save my marriage, but she also remains an itch I can't scratch. Anyway, thanks for sticking with me, and here's my question. I really hope you can help, because I'm at my wit's end. When everyone's fit, what's our best 11? <laughs> it's... <laughs> it's, the, you know... Oh, man... <laughs> Oh dear. It's a good question, you know. It's a good question, and I'm glad he took the time to write it. Yeah. Because, you know, we get that on Twitter sometimes, that kind of question, but I think without the context, it just doesn't carry the same weight. Yeah, true, true. Uh, <laughs> Any advice for John? I mean, you know. I think probably very similar to what you saw at Burnley. <laughs> um <laughs> That sort of eleven, really. As for as for the rest of the email, just uh, I mean, itches you can't scratch. It's the theme of the podcast, isn't it? Yeah, the itchy one, the itchy cast. Get yourself a good tree, mate. Yeah, that's that's the solution. So you're you're suggesting that in order to replace this beautiful young woman and his wife, he should rub up and down against a tree like a bear. I mean, I, I, it seems the only available option. Front on. Front and back. I mean, I don't know. Whatever your preference. All right. Well, look, uh, thank you, John, indeed. And I hope your life um, returns to some kind of normality in the future. Um, but, you know, you shouldn't do that, John. Shouldn't. No. Especially not over the desk. No. Maybe, look, maybe beating Chelsea will sate all of our itches so much that things like this will cease to happen indeed alright well we've got an FA Cup semi-final this weekend at Wembley are you going? I am going to be there yes mm. are you working or are you fanning? 
I am working, so I will be pretending to be impartial. (laughs) Pretending. (laughs) Good luck with that. Yeah. Um, All right, well, we'll uh, we'll look ahead to the FA Cup semi-final on the Arscast on Friday. And, of course, next Monday we'll review what happened at the weekend and and see where we are and what we've got to look forward to or not. So until the next Arscast Extra, um, take it easy, folks. Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.